Thank you, John. Uh, as John said, um, this topic is a little bit more, um, I'd say weightier or um, sticky. <laughs> I don't know a better way to call it. Because um, one of the topics we're dealing with is sexual purity, impurity, and morality um, in the text tonight. Uh, but before we dive into that, though, where we left off, so uh, this actually goes back a few weeks since we didn't have hype last week um, with the cancellation of um, hype last week with, um, with no fall retreat that was. Thessalonians as a whole. So what the, the book's about is it's Paul, uh, it's one of his most positive letters to any church that he's written to, uh, Philippians, Corinthians, and so on. Uh, and Paul's really overjoyed by their faithfulness. Um, they're devoted to Jesus. They love one another. They're dedicated to one another. And they, their growth in speaking the gospel, uh, even while being persecuted, they're driven to reach people. And that's the message of, that's our tagline for our church. Um, and I love the way Paul writes about them because if I think about myself, I would love if someone would be able to write that about me. What John said about um, my involvement with students and why I get into teaching or why I do what I do, that's kind of like that. I love hearing things like that. Um, and I always try to think to myself, can anybody else say that about me? And um, that's something to kind of think about as you read different letters of Paul. Two weeks ago, uh, what uh, Joel Zare talked about, he talked about trusting God and the growth of people. It was First Thessalonians three eleven through thirteen, basically increasing your love um, so that it is overflowing to all, strengthening to uh, our hearts so that we will be blameless in in God's presence, and that's what Joel's topic talked about. Um, but we definitely see a shifting of gears though uh, as we go into our our text that we'll dive into in a second. Before we do that though, I do have want to have your small groups do something really quickly. Uh, each of your small groups is going to get one whiteboard and a marker. The person who writes the best or is the most responsible, probably the adult leader, or maybe not Cade because his writing sinks. On your whiteboard, what you're gonna, what, here's what's going to happen. On your whiteboard, you're going to write down, before they get distributed, on your whiteboard, you're going to write down what are things, girls, are you listening? On your whiteboard, what you're going to write are something that you're involved in, okay? Maybe the, one of the biggest things you're involved in currently or you like to do. And what's one thing you, you have grown in from being in that activity? Okay? So get different like, activities written down and like, what's something you've learned or grown in from being involved in that group or being in that sport or whatever. Uh, and then think about discuss like, those areas of growth. Like why did you grow in this area? Or how did that sport help you with this? And so on. And once every group kind of gets a few things down, then we'll, you'll see mine and we'll talk about some of them. Alrighty, it looks like we're all good to go. So here's what I want. I'm going to walk around and just kind of pick out a few things on your boards and see if we have some common themes. So first one. Alrighty, stuff we're involved in. We see athletics. Um, what are those acronyms? Baseball, what's W? Wrestling. Wrestling and track and field. School, theatrical arts, and hype or church. Things we wrote. Run faster, I'm assuming that's um, track and field. Um, helps me study. What's that third one? Gotten closer to coach, is that Coach Dave, Preacher Dave, awesome. And then persevere, so perseverance could definitely be in all of them. Thank you. Isaac, I'll take your board. Thank you. So we'll keep the boards up here so we can refer back to them later. Yes, uh, you just want to put the marker on the ping pong table or that table. Next one, basketball, wrestling, hype, baseball, so sports and hype, we see again. Teamwork, faith, getting in the word, friends, skills, and get big, swole. Now, who specifically in here was that? Naturally. Naturally. Or, I mean, I, 
you don't need to flex for everybody because we can already see them. But, you know. All right, guys, I'll take your board. Thanks. Aw. You can still see him. No worries. I'm not racing it. All right. Airs group. All right, we have disc golf. Ooh, a new one. Disc golf, basketball, football, baseball, soccer. We see tough, humble, good sportsmanship, teamwork, mature, respectful, responsible. I like the humble as well as the tough one. Who said disc golf, by the way? Nice. What's your favorite course? What's your favorite course? Where to go to? Roanoke one? Gotcha. And ladies, what have we got? What's that first one? I've never heard of that. I'd like to know those things. Don't just say it's an acronym. I want to know what it is. Uh, volleyball, track, basketball, 4-H, softball, and cross-country in SUCO. And we see friendships, swim, I guess that's its own category, and teamwork are some big ones in there. All right, I'll take it. Thank you. Got it. Yep, student council. So li little little preview. When you guys get to high school, um, there will be numerous, numerous, numerous things that you can jump into and get involved with, including me, because I'm involved in some of them. Now, wh why bring this up? Well, naturally, first, I want to share some of mine. So in my life, um, I've had some areas of involvement. Um, this certainly isn't all of them, but just some major ones. And the areas I've grew, uh, grown in from them, so first off, in middle school, I was really into sports, still am, basketball or baseball and football. A uh, big area I grew in was actually conditioning and shape. Um, my eighth grade year, I actually lost like, it was about 45 pounds, I think, um, in that year from, honestly, just living a better lifestyle. Probably couldn't tell now. But um, it really kind of like woke me up, I would say, or um, if I didn't lose that then, then, well, I'd be even bigger now, potentially. High school. Uh, high school is actually when I became a Christian. Uh, Campus Life, FCA, Guys Small Group Bible Study were th things I was heavily involved in. And became a Christian, as I said. And that's when I got involved in leadership, uh, living for Christ, kind of in all areas, and practicing that out. Other high school, work and job. Um, I grew in my time management. I became less of a procrastinator. Had to. And money management, started saving money for school. I'm a person who went through college debt-free. It is possible. Through scholarships and saving your money, even right now. It is possible. College, well, teaching. It's an area I grew in, because I Paid to take classes for it. Um, explaining things in multiple ways is a big thing. I, I was a chemistry tutor. Uh, pedagogy, that's the word for how teachers teach. Uh, I was in a scholarship group that taught me that. I had classes, independent study, and of course student teaching. Currently, I'm still growing in teaching uh, every day. Um, I'm also working on a work-life balance, and that ebbs and flows. That's something I'm definitely uh, not the greatest at, but growing in. Uh, live streaming, how many of you guys watch the football game? via YouTube. You're welcome. Um, that actually got 500 people watching and 2,800 views. It was insane how much that got. And then um, the other big thing I'm growing in is how to focus on Christ in my career um, constantly, not just here on Sundays or not just at FCAs and things like that. But why, why I kind of bring this up? Well, you get involved in things um, to hopefully grow in them. You know, I, I don't join something just to then kind of sit on the sidelines. I, I want to learn something from it, from it. I want to grow in an area, gain some skills, and hopefully apply them to benefit me, someone else, etc. Think about it like this way. You don't try out for the basketball team and hoping to sit on the bench, right? 
You don't get involved in a group just to put it on your resume. I mean, hopefully you guys aren't worrying about that too much right now. But you, you join a group because you want to grow in it or use your skills for that group. Um, and in a biblical sense, well, there is a biblical sense for that very action. And this is what we find in our text tonight. Uh, if you have your Bible, you want to go to 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 8. It will be our main verses of tonight. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8. I'm reading from the CSB translation. Paul writes, Additionally then, brothers and sisters, we ask and encourage you in Lord Jesus, or in the Lord Jesus, that as you have received instruction from us on how you should live and please God as you are doing, do this even more. For you know what commands we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is God's will, your sanctification, that you keep away from sexual immorality, that each of you knows how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not with lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. This means one must not transgress against or, against or take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner, because the Lord is an avenger of all these offenses, as we also previously told and warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject, reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. The big verse, or the big word in here. Sanctification. Sanctification, big terminology, but basically it boils down to this. Biblical growth. Sanctification is not being saved. It's, it's growing in your faith, um, becoming more holy um, from following God's instruction and word, being faithful, being a student or disciple of Christ, being repentant, and not just once. It's not just accepting Christ and saying, okay, I gave my life to Christ, but of a, a, a daily repentance because there is daily sin and there is daily struggle. Um, and repenting is more than just saying, I'm not going to do these bad things, but turning back to Christ. There are numerous, numerous verses on this idea of sanctification, and that tells me it must be important. And, and that's kind of the key verse in here about sanctification. Um, Greek, the word for it, I'm probably going to butcher it, hagiosmos. Um, it's, that means to sanctify or consecrate, and consecration dives into being declared sacred, and that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to declare you as sacred. He wants to sanctify you. Quick question. What are some ways where we can become more holy? Just open for anybody. Yeah. Read the Bible. Know, know God. Learn about God through, through reading, through text. In some sort. Good answer. Other ones? Mm-hmm. FCA? Good answer. I sponsor FCA at the high school, so good answer. How's FCA? Are you involved in that in middle school? What are some, like, how, how, have, you, how have you, like, sanctified or learn more about God or become more holy from that. So worship, singing, like think about um, Pastor Eric preaching or singing this morning uh, if you were here. How about another one? Think me a different group. Yeah. Getting get involvement. As we just talked about, like, you know, when you get involved in something, I hope you're, you're not just getting involved in it just to be a part of it, but actually learn something and grow something in that. And we'll 
God will definitely bring you through that, or, or you'll be seen as more holy or, or closer to God. Yeah. Pray, for sure. Talk about conversation. A relationship with God doesn't happen without talking. And one more. Asking questions about the Bible. So not only reading, but also kind of digging deeper. Don't just take the words at face value. Not just taking my words at face value, but actually asking questions that further go into it. But here's the thing. What's the one area that this passage talks about in being sanctified? I'll go back a slide. In terms of sanctification, what's the one thing that this passage really highlights about how you can be sanctified? Or maybe like what prevents your sanctification? Sai? Sexual immorality. Now, is this saying that there's only one thing you have to worry about to, that prevents your sanctification? No. But there's one area that it highlights that this is going to be the main topic of discussion is sexual immorality. Um, as John said before, I, I, this is a topic that um, can be a little bit more weightier or honestly awkward. Uh, you'll see me use that word later uh, on in my, my, my talk, but it's definitely a big area that the Bible talks about that needs to be talked about in, for any age, not, not just bigger kids or adults, but even, even now. So sexual immorality. So why only highlight one area? Well, first of all, the cultural context uh, for it. First century Roman culture was very um, immoral in terms of impurity. Um, many people had multiple partners. Um, they would have like a wife or someone, a, a mistress, a prostitute, um, and each one kind of fulfilled different roles, uh, even if they were married. Um, the, it talks about bringing up Gentiles in the scripture. You know, if we're, we're said to be, or if we are said to be holy and set apart, how can we have the same sexual behaviors as people who don't know God? Uh, in terms of the actual topic context, sexual feelings can easily be, uh, become a passion or desires, which God, God does give us. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, God gave us to, be, to glorify him um, and experience intimacy with others. Adam and Eve. In Genesis, when Adam and Eve were interacting with each other, a verse that is talked about is that Adam knew Eve. And that type of knowing is more than just like, hey, I know your name and like what you like and who you are as a person, but an intimate level. And in that knowing of someone else, God's there and knowing God more. This whole book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, kind of highlights this topic and, and really is poetic in, in how it talks about it, but it's giving biblical context for, for intimacy, for, for um, sexual pleasure in that sort of way. Now, Let's bring it back to kind of our topics. If you have desires for something and things that you're passionate about, don't you do whatever it takes to, to reach that or, or to, to achieve that? If it's something that is maybe really important for you, okay? Not, not in, a, in a, maybe a physical manner, but, you know, if something's important to you, don't you want to kind of please that passion and desire? Story. Getting interviewed for EHS for Eureka High School. I was called on a Monday about the position, talked to the principal on a Tuesday. They said, come in on Thursday for an interview. Okay. So I got some materials, drove up three hours, interviewed, waited a week, accepted a position. I did everything I could to meet that need. Um, the hours I work currently, so as John alluded to, like a lot of what I do and the hours I spend is for you guys. Well, it's a passion of mine to reach students and, and teach the next generation, so... I'm, I'll put in the time for that as 
um, as cranky as that makes me at times or um, as much energy as that takes, that's something I'll put energy into. I think one we all can relate to, food cravings. Anyone ever had one of these before? Oh, they're so good. I will do, so this was like my secret weapon for in junior year of high school. If I needed to write a paper because I'm procrastinating on it, remember I got better at that in high school. Um, if I need to cram in a paper and, and I needed one of these as my crutch, I would do whatever it took to go get one of these. Oh, Casey's didn't sell it? I'll go to the next gas station. Oh, they're out? I'll go to the next grocery store. I don't care how far it took me. Or, oh, my brother had one? I would take his. I would do anything I could to please this need. Okay? Anything I could to please that need. Uh, this is mocha. Uh, they actually, my favorite one's hazelnut. So, you know, if you guys, when you get to high school and you want to bribe the teacher a bit, you know, go ahead. Or lock in. You'll probably see me with one or five of those. So... Mm-hmm. One, to, one to five. We'll see, we'll see how. I'm sure you guys will be loud enough to keep me up, so I'm probably not getting any sleep during that night. So why only highlighting one area? Well, this is an area, to me, that actually I, I kind of phrase it as mind-molding. This, this form of sin actually has massive effects on your development, um, especially at your age. The effects of watching something like pornography or, or pleasing certain sexual desires in lustfulness, selfishness, non-God-glorifying ways can literally change your brain chemistry, just like a drug. I don't know if you guys have seen this group before, um, Fight the New Drug. It's a group that goes against like uh, sex trafficking, uh, the pornography industry, and, and so on. And part of the reason why they do that is that this sort of sin has a snowballing effect from first exposure to wherever someone's at. It's whether it be accidental for, oh, you just noticed that someone looked good or cute or something, to now you're intentionally seeking that sort of thing out. And now you see people as different. And as you grow and mature and you discover more of your own feelings, the, es- the escalation can be there. Crazy fact, the average age for someone being first exposed to some sort of explicit sexual content is the early teenage years, and that's been going down um, for quite some time. And part of the reason is our, is our phones. Part of the reason is things like Snapchat, where you look at your friend's story, but then you see all the other media stuff, and, I mean, just looking at the taglines, and you, you see some of the stuff that is being pushed out there, and maybe not necessarily as bad by any means, because they're just pushing it out there for us. But the other thing with this, going back to the drug idea and how it changes your brain chemistry, this can be seen as like a drug addiction that can be easily hidden, question mark. Um, but here's, the, here's the kind of the bad thing about this. This is a drug that's so widely accepted and showcased and flaunted in our society and in media. Think about this. Beautiful people are used to sell products. You know, they wouldn't use a face like mine to try to sell you anything, because I'm not beautiful by any means. Uh, maybe if there was a beard product, but not currently, because, you know, I shaved it off. Um, you know, or how about, think about it like this. We don't see many people making posts about doing hard drugs, right? We, we don't see people on Instagram saying, oh, I shot myself up with heroin or, or, or something like that. But what we do see a lot of is people taking the right photo in the right lighting, wearing the right clothes, so we look beautiful in that sort of way, or so that will be noticed in some sort of way. And that's accepted. You know, it's eye-catching to people and well, when it's eye-catching to some people, it leads down to a path of escalation, potentially. 
It has that snowballing effect. Maybe, maybe you just accidentally stumbled upon something. And then you get further and deeper exposed from media um, that, that has that sort of content. Even, or think about it like this. Like, there are lots of good shows out there that have some explicit content. And people will say, oh, I just, I just watch it for the story where you know, there are bad things that happen in it. Well, you're further being exposed to it. And then maybe that escalates to you searching specific things, and this is not accidental. Maybe you're starting to make time for it. Or maybe it's becoming the only thing you can think about uh, during the day and, or looking forward to when you get home. It's, it molds your mind, or it can to a point. And like I said, it, exposure starts early, or the statistics have shown that it can start early. Um, Wayne, I'll give a second for the verses to come up. But to recap, this sort of idea of sexual immorality, sexual purity and impurity can be seen as drug. Thank you, John. Let me get back. No, you're good. It, mold, it can mold your mind depending on your exposure, how deep, how far you go uh, into it. Going back to the verses. So this is 6 through 8. This means one must not transgress against and take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner because the Lord is an avenger of these offenses as we also previously told you and warned you. For God has not called us to be impure or called us to impurity but to live in holiness. Consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man but God who gives you the Holy Spirit. Quick little question. What has been a big news topic probably for about the past year, especially with celebrities? This might not be something you, you know about too much unless you're Brian Kemp, potentially, or Bill Age. I, I was going to bring that up. We've seen recently a lot of people getting caught for sexual inappropriateness, um, whether it be sexual assault, lewd comments, inappropriate actions, from small things to big things. Now, to me, it's good that that's coming out now. Uh, it's sad that it's happening, but honestly, I'm not surprised that, based on the content around us, that these things have been happening, especially in media or with celebrities and things like that. I was going to say, there's literally a whole movement, the Me Too movement, that I'm confident that there are people in this church and maybe here at Hype that can say that as well for hashtag me too, for experiencing some sort of lewd comment or experiencing some sort of um, sexual abuse or assault or, or something small to something big. Oopsies. And, you know, that's not something that happens outside of our, only happens outside of our little, little close-knit town. Think about it like this and why I bring up uh, today's world. Transgressing against or taking advantage of one another spoken here is the exact same thing that's happening now. These verses aren't just old or, or back in that context, but it's something that does happen now. The idea of being previously warned. So Paul writes that you guys have been warned about this. Middle schoolers. I don't know if, you, if, this, I don't know if this has been a topic of conversation at home or with parents or, or pastors or anything, but consider this your warning. First, I'm going to talk to the guys. Guys specifically, Listen. The idea of boys being boys needs to be put to an end, period. I'm not saying that any trait of being a male needs to stop. There are things that God gives us that, that are for males and for females. 
But the idea of boys being boys, of how we treat women in terms of their appearance, their look, whether small or escalating, that needs to stop at your age. It's harder to stop as we get older. That pattern of behavior can, has to go unstopped, and that result can happen now. Now, girls, talking to you now, please do not feel like this is a topic that does not pertain to you now. Since so little of society focuses on the sexual natures of girls, it seems like the scale is tipped where this only is an issue for guys uh, at times, or where it's only a guy problem. One example I kind of thought of was this. When I've heard girls talk about uh, someone being their future husband, specifically a cute guy. As we, as we chuckle, here's my evidence. That's a form of lust. I'm not saying you're not going to marry someone cute or you're not going to uh, be attracted to someone like that and, and experience someone like that, but if that's a false reality right now. That, that's the same form of lust that a guy deals with in, in other areas and other ways. Further clarifying, so talking about sexual immorality and purity, having attracted someone is not a bad thing. The desire to be intimate with someone is not a bad thing, specifically in the context of marriage. Trying to find the line, or is there, is there a line I can't cross, well, that will likely lead you to cross a line. Whether that be like, if, that's, if you feel like that's holding hands for you because that will lead to escalation, then don't do that. The Bible does clearly talk about what's not okay for a marriage or um, outside of a marriage context. But even being in a relationship, whether you're, you're there or you're going to be in one as you grow older, if you're think, trying to think about what's, what's the line in terms of physical contact and things like that, then you're, then you're probably there already. And that's a conversation you need to have with your um, boyfriend or girlfriend and a third party involved in that our sexual nature become, and desires become a sin when we take advantage of a brother or sister in this manner. Use it as a main means of pleasure or pleasing ourselves, even, outside, even when you're married. Or we warp the idea of biblical intimacy. Speaking on this a little bit further, so taking advantage of a brother or sister, you treat someone as an object of pleasure. You remove the idea of spiritual oneness, Adam knowing Eve, that comes with intimacy. You only focus on being pleased physically, and these don't end with just becoming married. I've heard so many friends who have become married that think, like, oh, I'm married now. I'm not going to deal with this issue ever again. Mm -mm. It still is a struggle for people who are been married, or so I've been told. Second thing, use it as a main means of pleasure. The things that you spend your time on, energy on, and money on is one way we can measure your priorities, desires, and your heart. When pleasing sexual desires becomes the only way you can be satisfied, then the Lord is not your focus. Oneness with your partner is not your focus. And once again, our selfish nature, selfish nature is the focus. That's how cheating in a marriage can occur. Consider this. Are you satisfied in the Lord and what he offers you? And his offering of what sexual desire is in a marriage with your husband or wife. The idea of biblical intimacy when God is not the focus and the center of our love with our husband or wife, in every way we love them, we are not reaching the biblical intimacy with them. We are left unsatisfied. We may try to find any means necessary to be pleased. Once again, trying to find that line of, okay, what's okay to do with my boyfriend or girlfriend or with my husband or wife? 
just sometimes trying to think about what is the line kind of tells me you're there for we need to stop escalating and, and further diving into or and further, um, further escalating what we're doing physically um, and repent. And honestly, it's a conversation that needs to happen with that person who you're with or a third party involved. Before I transition, the desires we have to be intimate, that's God-given. That's a gift from the Lord. The Bible talks about it in, in many great ways. But going back to that idea of escalation, going back to the idea of immorality, it, it can literally warp your mind and how you treat people, how you treat yourself, how you view people. And for the people who that's not stopped, what we hear about in the news a lot now with sexual assault, with sexual um, misconduct, inappropriateness, even the smallest lewd comments, it's me too. There's a whole movement that's been based on it right now. And for us, it's, it's a topic that God brings about because if we're trying to be sanctified and be more holy, if this is an area that we're dealing with, how can we be? But here's the great thing. Where we are falling, grace abounds. So that last verse, consequently, anyone who rejects this does not reject man, but God who gives you the Holy Spirit. Sexual immorality may have, may have effects on us and other areas of sin that other areas of sin do not have. But grace covers all of them to all extent. This is actually from Hebrews 4, 13 through 16. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before, his, uh, before the eyes of him who, to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Why bring up a verse like this? Well, first of all, the ending verse in Thessalonians sounds kind of ominous, sounds kind of unfortunate and scary, honestly. When we reject the teachings of the Bible in the area of purity and impurity, we do reject God and what he wants to us to sanctify us. But here's my thing. It's been my experience with this sort of sin that this sort of sin of sexual purity has been painted as worse at times. It can affect so many other areas of our life and comes with a large weight of shame and maybe embarrassment. But where there's a large weight, there's actually a, a bigger chance of grace saving us or becoming, giving us more relief. Hold firmly to the faith uh, we profess. That's sanctification. Holding firmly to your faith, that is sanctification. God's throne of grace, as it talks about, specifically grace, will receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. We've got to be willing to, to approach there. It's just up to us to believe and do it. And here's the thing, if you're a person who, who hasn't believed that, you Christian know that, that we can repent and turn to the Lord in this specific area. Or I, at least I hope you know, now know you can. Especially if it's been an area that's been hidden or you feel like you've hidden very well because it's so widely accepted uh, in the world or so exposed to. But for a person that maybe you, you don't know this, if you haven't felt that, if you haven't felt uh, Christ saving you, well, these verses are also for you. It's not just for the people who are Christians. It spells out that Jesus died for you, took on your sin to his death, and conquered it for us. This justification that he gives us 
allows you to approach the throne and find grace and forgiveness. You just have to believe it. Now, I went one minute over. So close. These three verses. So I put you in small groups. Obviously, just get the, the ball rolling, some conversation. But I know this is a topic that I said it would come up again. It's awkward to talk about. It's, it's hard to bring up. Or, or maybe, you, maybe a person you're in here and you're like, I've not experienced this because you're at a young age. And good. <laughs> if, 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 that's, if you have not experienced this, good. Um, but if you're a person that has, I'm sorry. We live in a society that this sort of content's pushed out so willy-nilly um, where maybe it's not seen as explicit to the masses, but if it tempts us, it's explicit to us. You know, is this topic weird or awkward to talk about? And if so, why? Do you see the importance of, of addressing a topic like this at this age or for any age? You know, why do you think that this kind of is important? Or think about this sort of area. Struggling in this area can make it tempting to hide or think that God's grace doesn't forgive you. Do you believe that this is something too difficult to talk about in church? Or is there someone in your life that you can talk to about these things? Now, even though we are over, I do encourage you to, to touch on some of these things in small group because this is a weighty topic or this is a topic that there's a lot of things that can be hidden with it. I will share some of mine, though, because I want to lead by example. So my first exposure to explicit content, um, I would say it was about 11 or 12 years old. Um, I'm guessing, it, I, I can't exactly remember the moment, but I'm guessing it was probably something on TV that I just stumbled upon and there it was. And then, you know, you stumble upon it again and then you stumble upon it again and then the escalation can lead to, okay, now I'm trying to spend time looking for this material. Okay, now I'm trying to um, look forward to it later in the day when I'm alone and in my room. Thankfully, found Christ in high school. And is it a battle still? Yeah, still is. Always will be. Think about the, the content we get exposed to. It always is. But praise the Lord, I can approach a throne of grace every time. Praise the Lord, I'm still being sanctified through prayer and through involvement and through leadership and things like this that bring me closer to God and bring me further away from this area of transgression and this area of sin that can mold you and the person you are. Praise God, I found, high, I, I found Christ in high school so I didn't lead down to a path where I am an offender in any sort of way or, or the, the people that we get seen painted uh, in society. Like I said, I'll leave these verses, I'll leave these questions here. I encourage you to talk about them. I know it's past 8 o'clock a little bit. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and pray, um, and you guys can talk as you feel led. No pressure to, uh, but I do ask that you consider these questions uh, moving forward. Father God, I thank you for being a community that allows me to teach um, any topic, really, and especially one like this, Lord. God, I pray that my testimony, my answers, um, and that your word was heard tonight, Lord. I pray that we can continue to be sanctified um, to you through prayer, through community, through any means necessary. But Lord, specifically, I pray that we can be sanctified to you through our purity with our bodies and how we treat our bodies. Lord, I pray that we push against the sin that literally can mold our mind and how we treat people, how we treat your, your people, Lord, how we view people and how we view intimacy. 
God, you give us intimacy. You give us desires that we find out more and more as we get older. And that's a good thing. Where It can be a good thing as long as we always turn back to you and give it to you in all situations. God, I thank you for this group, and thank you once again for this opportunity to, to preach. I love you, Lord. Amen.